We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! Ten seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh! He hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range. 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three. And he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to the final thoughts of the Point Guard Chronicles. I have been asked by a couple people to kind of just review and recap the interviews that I had. So we had nine amazing guests come on the last two weeks to just talk about different point guards the Pacers could go after this upcoming free agency, this offseason, via trade, via free agency, and My mind did change. I did write an article before I did this for PacersTalk.net where I was ranking the 10 point guards that I thought the Pacers could realistically bring in via free agency, and my thoughts did change a little bit, so I'm going to start from number 10. We ended up doing nine episodes, but if you remember, one episode talked about two players. That was George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon in episode two, so there's 10 players on this list that I'm going to start with. We're going to work our way down from 10 to number 1, and I'm going to give you my thoughts based on what I listened to from these other guys that came on our show and talked about these players. So starting at number 10, from Minnesota, Derrick Rose. Look, I <laughs> I only interviewed Zach Noble for Derrick Rose because there were some Pacer fans saying they wanted him. I am not in that camp at all. Derrick Rose was the former MVP of the league back in 2011 for a reason. That was eight years ago. Derrick Rose literally almost quit basketball 
two seasons ago. He had a nice season off the bench. I think he'd be a decent guard off the bench. I don't like his defense. Um, I just don't trust him as a playmaker. I just feel like Derrick Rose is a scorer, and he hasn't proven to be a consistent three-point shooter throughout his career, which is something that you look for in a in a point guard going forward in the NBA. So I'm just I'm just not buying Derrick Rose as a true starting caliber point guard. So he comes in at number ten. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Let's go to number nine, Goran Dragic. So you might think, why is Goran Dragic so low? Well, here's the thing. He's got a $19 million player option. If he opts into that, that means you're going to have to trade somebody for that contract. So is there anybody that you really want to trade from this Pacers roster for that? McDermott, maybe? But really? Do you really want to trade McDermott for $19 million and eat into your cap space? No, probably not. So while I like Dragic, if he does opt out of his contract and the Pacers do miss out on some of the big guys I'll talk about later in the podcast... Yeah, I mean, I might consider Dragic. I think that he does have skill sets that would be complementary to Victor Oladipo. But ultimately, I'm just not feeling Goran Dragic if he opts into that player option. And I don't think that he'll opt out. $19 million is a lot of money. And I don't know if he's going to get that kind of money elsewhere. So makes sense for him. I, I know that he probably wants a bigger role than being in a backup point guard for the Miami Heat since they've gone with Point Justice Winslow. But... If he opts in, he probably will be traded. I I, I think that there's going to be a team that looks for a veteran point guard that's willing to eat some of that salary cap and just go for it. So not for the Pacers, though. This is their chance to really, you know, pin down this point guard because they need a true point guard going forward. They haven't had a real starting point guard that's been a long-term face of the franchise since Mark Jackson. Yes, George Hill did serve that role for a couple years, but I just... He he didn't have the caliber that Mark Jackson had for this team. So um, let's move on. Number eight, Terry Rozier, the restricted free agent from the Boston Celtics. Keith Smith made a very good point talking about Rozier. I really appreciated his insight. He said that Rozier is not a natural point guard. He does think that his defense, though, would be enticing next to Oladipo if the Pacers were to go that route. Look, Terry Rozier is probably one of the most confusing players to read um, in the NBA. He, he's a guy that when he's been given the opportunity has stepped up in big moments. He led this team in the playoffs at the Eastern conference finals. That wasn't his, <laughs> it wasn't him solely leading the team, but you know, Al Horford was out there playing well. This is Jason Tatum had a great playoff run. Jalen Brown did as well. So I mean, Terry Rozier was just a part of the collective group and he looked really good doing that. Do I think that he does have some upside? I do. I really do, and I know that there's a lot of people who are like, oh my god, would you please stop talking about Rozier, but he's still very young, and I think that his youth is something that the Pacers could say, hey, that's worth investing in to see if he can grow, because we see this all the time with young players. You've given them a different opportunity, and you just you can see those doors open for them, and maybe they can hit something out of it. So, yeah, I like Terry Rozier. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like Terry Rozier. Um, but I don't love him, and I think that that would be a, a risk that it would be willing to take, but at the end of the day, he is a restricted free agent, so if you offer him a decent contract, there's a good opportunity that the, or there's a good chance that the Boston Celtics will match that contract, and it's just not something 
I think you want to waste your time on. He is a fallback option if your other options do not come through. So Terry Rozier, like him, don't hate him, don't love him. Number seven, Ricky Rubio. Yes, Ricky Rubio, uh, this is a player that I'm so like not a fan of, but if the Pacers are going to go out there and get a short-term rental player to let Holiday kind of grow into that role, seeing that Holiday will probably get more experience as a backup point guard next year, I think Rubio's a decent fit. Um, he needs to be a more consistent three-point shooter for me to really like this. I think he is a pesky defender. He was asked to guard James Harden in their playoff matchup this year, and he didn't do too bad of a job. He followed the game plan exactly how Quinn Snyder asked him to do it. Was it a smart game plan? I mean, that's questionable. I didn't really necessarily like how they were guarding his hand, his left hand, and trying to force him right. But um, I do think that he is a team player. I think he would be a a pretty good fit. I don't think he'd be a locker room issue. So, yeah, Ricky Rubio is somebody that... No, I don't love the name. No, I don't love the signing. But similar to Rozier, I like it. I like it probably now better more than Rozier because I think you can probably get him on a cheaper contract than Terry Rozier. And there's nothing to worry about as far as matching goes. So if you guys can come to a terms of agreement, you don't have to worry about Utah saying, hey, well, we're going to match that offer and we're going to bring him back. So I think that there is optimism with that part of the signing. But yeah, Ricky Rubio... He is an average starting point guard in the NBA, but he's not a guy that's going to really change the team much. He is an upgrade to me over Darren Collison. Not a significant upgrade, but uh, a decent upgrade. And so that's one of the reasons I would like Rubio over Collison. But ultimately, if you're going to start Rubio, you're, you're not really making this team much better than it already is. So moving forward, number six, George Hill. I can't believe I'm saying this, actually. I have George Hill above Ricky Rubio, Terry Rozier, and Goran Dragic. Um, George Hill was such a joke the last two seasons, really. Uh, did not play to the level that many hoped he play to. And now you see him in this series against the Milwaukee Bucks. And what in the world happened? Where did George Hill come from? He has resurrected from the dead. He has probably been the most consistent bench player for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I just love what he's doing. He does a good job handling the basketball. He doesn't over-dominate the point guard position. He's a really good defender. You know, Pacer fans know a lot about George. I don't need to go into this too much. But he's hitting the three pretty consistently. He hit two clutch free throws. That's a change. <laughs> I mean, come on. How many of you guys remember George Hill in the clutch going two for two? I don't ever remember that happening. So... There's something about the system that Budenholzer has put in with Milwaukee and George Hill has fit in seamlessly. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I really believe that George Hill might have turned the corner a little bit in this middle of his career here. As we know that he's getting older, he would not be you know your number one choice for a starting point guard, but I don't think that's the worst fit next to Oladipo. I would much rather have George Hill coming off the bench as that off guard with Aaron Holiday. I think that'd be a beautiful pairing. I'm all for that Pacer fan, so I'm sorry if you don't want George Hill back here at all. I want him back here. I want him back here as the backup shooting guard next to Holiday. That's that is a dream of mine. I just really like the way he's been playing. Obviously, if you can get like a, a JJ Redick or somebody like that, I would prefer that. But I still, I just. 
I, I am very intrigued by George Hill. And if you look back a couple of years ago before he signed that deal with the Sacramento Kings, he wanted to come to Indiana. And they talked about it, but he wanted too much money. They're not going to pay him $20 million. So I believe it is if Milwaukee cuts him, they will owe him $1 million for next year, but he'll be an unrestricted free agent if they don't pick up that team option, which I don't expect them to. But I do think George Hill is an upgrade at starting point guard over Rubio and over a Dragic. And a lot of people might push back on this a little bit. It might be a little hometown bias, but I just think you know what you're going to get with George Hill. He's probably a more consistent three-point shooter than those guys. And I just, I just like the way he's been playing. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. We have gone through the first five of the Point Guard Chronicles rankings. So after talking to people, I just want to let you all know that we have gone through the top the top five, or the bottom five, excuse me, the bottom half. So at number 10, I have Derrick Rose. Number nine, Goran Dragic. Number eight, Terry Rozier. Number seven, Ricky Rubio. Number six, George Hill. Now we're going to jump into the top five here. Coming in at number five is Patrick Beverly. You guys have heard me talk about Patrick Beverly all season long. I am a huge fan of his defense, and now that the defensive teams have come out and he did not make the team, he seemed pretty motivated. You know who else is motivated because they didn't make the team? Miles Turner. Imagine two guys that felt like they just got disrespected, that they felt like they didn't get the credit they deserved for their defense last year, playing with a chip on their shoulder on the court (laughs) together. I just feel like that'd be an amazing pairing. Um... I I love Patrick Beverly. He is a guy that every team needs. He is just a bulldog. He'll go out there and he'll get under the opponent's skin. And he won't back down from a challenge. And that seems like a very pacer-type player. So um, he's a good three-point shooter. I know he's shot between 35-40% this year. He's a career around that as well. So, yeah, talking to Robert Flom about him, I just he just said, look, everybody talks about his tenacity, his bulldog mentality, but he's just a really good basketball player too. And I think sometimes we do overlook that with my man Pat Beverly here. He is a really good basketball player, and he would be a huge, huge, huge upgrade over what the Pacers have had uh, the last couple seasons here with Darren Collison. So, um, we need an upgrade defensively. Carlson is a terrible defender, and I think Beverly would really, really help change that. So I love Patrick Beverly here at number five. I think that this is a realistic option, too, for the Pacers because some of the guys I'm going to get into next, it's it's kind of a dream. But if it could happen, I think there's a possibility it could happen. So, yeah, you gotta you got to go for those dreams sometimes because you you never know what could happen. If you're not reaching for the stars, you'll never know if you can catch it, right? So that's my thing with Beverly. It's like he's a fallback option for sure, but he's a realistic fallback option that's going to improve your team. So Patrick Beverly, number five, let's move on to number four. Who is going to come in at number four? I'll give you guys a second to think about it. All right, was it who I thought, who I think it is? Well, number four for me is Drew Holiday. I love Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is a really nice basketball player. His wife is from Indiana. His brother plays on the team as the backup point guard going forward. He makes total sense. But here's my problem. You got to give up a lot to get Drew Holiday. When I talked to David Grubb, the proposal he made was Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, 
and a pick for Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is 29 years old. Miles Turner is 23. Aaron Holiday is 21, 22. I can't remember exactly. That's a lot of young assets to give up for a guy who's, you know, in his prime. And the only reason I do like it is because you do need to upgrade. I'm okay with training Miles Turner for Drew Holiday, but to give up a pick and Aaron Holiday, that seems like a bit much. If you could find a way to do Miles Turner, maybe a future protected pick and Doug McDermott for Drew Holiday, then I would really consider that because that means you got a guy like Sabonis sitting on the bench waiting. But after watching the playoffs, if you think that Sabonis, you know, is a better option at center in today's NBA than Miles Turner, well, you know, I think that they proved why Turner has more upside because of his ability to protect the rim. His ability to you know stretch the floor, he's got to get better. Don't get me wrong. I have been very disappointed with Turner's uh, progression. I was hoping he would make bigger leaps, and he hasn't. But he has made good strides, and I do think that there's still plenty of room for Sabonis to grow as well. So they're just totally different players. It's really really hard to compare the two because they do so many different things, and that's one of those reasons why I'm like, hey, you know what, Miles Turner. Is a really nice fit next to Zion Williamson. If you have two perimeter defenders like Oladipo and Drew Holiday, you can probably get away with playing a guy like Sabonis on the back line. I think Sabonis can get better defensively. I think he's smart enough to. It's just going to take some time, and I think that ultimately he's just going to have to work on it, and it's going to take time, like I just said. So the reason I like this trade is because if you get Holiday in the backcourt of Oladipo, this might be the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. I'm not kidding. Drew Holiday is that good to me. I think Drew Holiday is a top 30 player in the NBA right now. His defense is unreal. It's suffocating. You put Oladipo, who's a really solid defender, next to him. Both guys can score. Both guys can play off each other. I think it's a really nice pairing. But the reason I have him at four and not in my top three is because I don't want to give up that many assets. If I can hold on to Turner and not get him and not have to give him up for Drew Holiday, I would do that in a heartbeat. But I really hesitate when I have to give up Miles Turner for Drew Holiday. I do think about it, but I'm not giving up Miles Turner and Aaron Holiday for Drew Holiday. I'm not giving Miles Turner up and an unprotected pick for Drew Holiday. I'm sorry, but New Orleans is going to draft Zion Williamson. They're going to try to find somebody to take Anthony Davis off their hands because Davis does not want to be there. Drew Holiday's 29. He does not fit that rebuild. Miles Turner does. 23 to 29 is a six-year difference in age. So it makes more sense for New Orleans to say, hey, we got a nice pairing next to Zion Williamson, a guy that can protect the rim, a guy that can shoot the three-point shot. And we're going to give up a really, probably our second best asset, maybe our third best. You know, you got Davis, you got Zion, obviously, and then you got Holiday. But I mean, still a really, really good player. Like I said, top 30 in my opinion. And, you know, you're going to take on a center that's going to get better in Miles Turner. So I don't think you should have to give up more than that. But at the end of the day, that's a lot to ask. And it's a hard decision for the Pacers to make because, like I said, he's 23 years old. 23. I mean, Giannis right now is 23 years old and he's entering his MVP season. 
Okay. So <laughs> one of those things is just like, you know, Miles Turner has got room to grow. You're going to have to decide eventually between him and Sabonis. I think by giving him the contract extension, they believe that Miles fits today's NBA style more than Sabonis. I'm not saying that it can't work for Sabonis because I think Sabonis is a fantastic player, especially off the bench. And I think Sabonis could be a starter somewhere and be really productive. But I just don't know if his upside is as high as Miles Turner's. This is why I hesitate, but I love that move. Now, coming in at number three, Mike Conley Jr. So similar to what I was just talking about, it's hard to give up assets to get a player back and be okay with it. So when I talked to Joe Mullinax, you guys heard this episode Friday on May 24th. He said, a protected pick, Sabonis and McDermott for Mike Conley. And every time I bring up Mike Conley, somebody sends a screenshot of his contract. People, people, people. I know what his contract is. I know he's going to get $32 million this year and 34 next year. I understand that is a lot of money to be taking onto your books and not giving much out in return. But here's what I got to tell you. Mike Conley is a significant upgrade over a backup center. You're, I mean, we can try the whole Sabonis-Turner thing, but it's probably not going to work. You throw Mike Conley into that starting lineup next to Oladipo and Miles Turner, now you got something. And you got Mike Conley, who Joe Molinak said wants to be in Indiana, on your roster for two more years, and his contract expires at the exact same time as Victor Oladipo's. We know in the NBA, short-term contracts are the thing. That's going to give you so much more room to grow with. And it keeps you from having to extend Sabonis. Because if you don't extend Sabonis, he's a restricted free agent. He wants to start. But if he signs somewhere, are you going to just let him walk? Or are you going to match it and then try to trade him? This helps you get to that point a season early. And it helps you in your cap for 2021. It's not something that's ideal because you have to give up an asset to get him back. But it's something I can see happening. And here's one thing I also want to point out. Let's say, for instance, that Dallas and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Knicks, they want to go after Kimball Walker. They want to go after Kyrie Irving. What if they don't get those guys? Who are they going to be looking at? Mike Conley Jr. They're going to have the cap space. They're going to have the picks. They're going to have the players to make that trade work. I can see the Pacers jumping the gun on draft night and getting a deal done for Mike Conley. Because if they wait it out, there's a possibility that they might not have the best return for the Memphis Grizzlies. Imagine if Boston throws in Gordon Hayward for Mike Conley. If, Kim, if Kyrie leaves. What would you rather have? Gordon Hayward? Or Sabonis? Probably Gordon Hayward. So yeah. It's one of those things where. As much as I love Sabonis. I am the biggest. Sabonis stand probably. Uh, that you'll meet. I am so infatuated with what he can become. If I've got a chance to upgrade a point guard. And make my team better overall. I'm going to do it. 
as much as it hurts. You know, like they say, when you're in trouble, <laughs> this hurts me more than it, than it hurts you. Right? It hurt. It would be it would be hard. It'd be very hard to make this trade. But I do believe that Mike Conley can make this team better and make this team a playoff contender. And not just a first-round contender. I mean a serious contender. Especially if we see guys leaving. That's why I really would not be shocked, say it again, if KP, Kevin Pritchard, does not look to acquire Mike Conley on draft night. Just keep your eyes up for it. Doesn't mean they can't get in the draft. Doesn't mean that they won't even, excuse me, make a trade on the draft or during the draft. But I think there's a, a good possibility. So, anyway, let's move forward to number two, Malcolm Brogdon, restricted free agent from the Milwaukee Bucks. The reason I have Malcolm Brogdon number two above Mike Conley, above Drew Holiday, number one, he might be the third best player on this Milwaukee Bucks team right now. But in a couple years, he might be their second best player. When he's on the court, he got reinserted into the starting lineup after coming back from his plantar fascia injury. He was fantastic in game five. I mean... He was the second best player next to Giannis. He's a good three-point shooter. He's guarding Kawhi Leonard. Gets to the basket. Very under control. He was a 50-40-90 player this year. It's interesting because when I talked to Ron Cotty about him, he said, I really feel like the Bucks are going to prioritize Lopez and they're going to prioritize Chris Middleton over Malcolm Brockton. If that's the case then the Pacers have got to look at Malcolm Brogdon as a serious option in that backcourt. Do I? The only reason I have hesitation is because I don't feel like he is a true point guard, and I feel like that could make things a little bit muddy. But in positionless basketball, that is a really nice guard next to Oladipo, someone that I think can really help defend, someone that can score the basketball, but he's not going to be over-the-top flashy. He's like a better version of George Hill back when the Pacers went to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's a really good shooter. He makes smart decisions. He's he's a good, good, good basketball player. And my only hesitation is he's restricted. So you're going to have to overpay to get him to pry him away from Milwaukee. Milwaukee will probably match most contract off most contract offers that he gets, unless it's a ludicrous one. I mean, you got to think, what is Milwaukee's priority? What if they miss out on Chris Middleton? What if they miss out on re-signing Brooke Lopez? Well, now all their attention is going to go to Brogdon, and now you're stuck. So you don't want to be caught in a situation as the Pacers, you know, where you're trying to bank on a restricted free agent getting through the cracks and, and coming to you because the Pacers usually don't go after restricted free agents. So this is why I was surprised that I had him so high, but I have just been... In love with the way Brogdon has played this postseason since coming back from his injury. I think that he is just a stable force in a lineup going forward and something that I would really want next to Oladipo. Something I really think could help this Pacers team. And if you can get him from the 18 to $20 million range, I say go for it. He's young and he's got a lot of potential. I just... I like Malcolm Brogdon too much to just overlook him 
And I do think that he would be a really nice fit in this Pacers starting five. All right, we're finally here, number one. The guys, the guy you guys have been talking about all offseason long. It's Kemba Walker. Look, Kemba Walker is probably an unrealistic dream. There is a slight bit of reality that the Pacers could actually get him. But I don't expect it to happen. There's a lot of suitors, like I mentioned earlier. Dallas will want him. I think he's. I think Dallas is probably his best bet. Like like Spencer Percy said, because of KP, Kristaps Porzingis, the other KP in this podcast, and Luka Doncic. Now he did make the All NBA third team, so Charlotte can't offer him that supermax. Does he stay there for the money? That's a possibility. He's from New York. Could he go to New York? Could he go to Brooklyn? What about the Clippers? What about the Lakers? There's going to be a lot of teams that if they miss out on Kyrie, that say, hey, Kimba, come play with us. But I, I just I had to put him number one. The main reason, if you do sign him to a four-year deal, you get him till he's 33 years old. You get him while he's still in his prime. And while the last year he might be on a bit of a downcline, it's still worth the investment. The second reason, you don't give up any assets to get him. You don't have to trade us a bonus or a holiday or give up a pick or trade a Miles Turner. You just outright sign him into your cap, your cap space. You say, hey, Thad Young, I'm sorry, but the money you were going to be making, I'm giving to Kimba now. Hey, Bojan, I really like your game. But the $20, $25 million you may be wanting to look for next season, you're not going to get from us. We're going to go get Kemba Walker and make our team better. Because if Bojan and Thad were that good, without Oladipo, they could have at least won one game against the Boston Celtics. A Celtics team that lost in five to the Milwaukee Bucks. A Celtics team that couldn't figure it out all season long. You know what? I believe in the Celtics all year long, and they proved me wrong. They were not a team that I should have been believing in. And the Pacers couldn't even get a game on them. Tyreek Evans was the best wing in that series against the Boston Celtics. Tyreek Evans will not be playing in the NBA for the next two seasons because of a drug, uh, for not for taking a, an illegal drug, okay? You got to upgrade this backcourt. And while I love Bojan, while I love Thad, if you can get Kemba Walker, you got to let those guys go. You got to fill the holes because now you've got the the guard that made the All NBA third team, the starting point guard, or starting All Star point guard, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is a darn good player. He's friends with Oladipo. Them two in the backcourt would be flawless. Would be phenomenal. Yes, he's a bit undersized. His defense is not great. But his offense makes up for it. And I think that that's something that we should really be looking at because we need another score. We need another creator next to Oladipo. And we don't know the status of Oladipo once he returns. He could be 75-85%, but it's going to take him some time to get comfortable doing the things he's used to doing, and he might not ever be able to do them as explosive. You're going to need someone to take that load off him. But to play devil's advocate with myself, Kimba's going to be the hardest one to obtain. 
because he's going to have so many suitors. You're in a small market. Kimba played in a small market. That's your hope. That's what you're banking on. Kimba's, Kimba likes playing in a small market. That's what the reports are saying. He enjoys it. That's why he's number one on this well, number one on this list. Because he, he changes this team and you don't have to give up an asset. Then once you get him, now you can look at flipping a Sabonis or a Turner. So even making this roster even deeper in the starting five. Preferably Sabonis because I think Turner is the better option with Kemba and Victor Ladipo. But what could you get for Sabonis? You know? What what could you get? You never know. He's a really good center. And now you look to kind of fill the holes in at the four and the five and just go from there. So, yeah, that, that, that's my thing. I just, I, I love adding guys where you don't have to give anything back. And that is why Kemba is number one on my list. And it's hard to sit here and not look at a guy like Brogdon or look, like, look at a guy like Holiday or Beverly and Conley and just be like, I can make cases for all these guys. I think the Pacers have a really good chance of upgrading a point guard. The worst nightmare is that they settle for Darren Carlson again. If they settle for Darren Carlson again, it'll be a wasted season for the Pacers. I'm just going to put that out there. A wasted season. Because they're not getting anywhere in the Eastern Conference playoffs with Darren Collison running the show. Sorry, that's just how it is. So, guys, I'm going to go through, recap my list. I'm going to work my way down from 10 to 1 so you guys can know what I think. I really do appreciate you guys reaching out to me on Twitter, letting me know what you think, and for being a part of this this podcast series, The Point Guard Chronicles. It's been really fun getting to know these prospects better. So let's go ahead and count these down. Number 10, I had Derek Rose. Number 9, Goran Dragic. Number 8, Scary Terry Rozier. Number 7, Ricky Rubio. Number 6, George Hill. At number 5, we had Patrick Beverly. Number 4, Drew Holiday. Number three, Michael Conley Jr. Number two, Malcolm Brogdon. And the number one option that I think I want for the Pacers the most is Kemba Walker. Pretty simple. Kemba Walker is the guy. He is the franchise-changing player. Now, if you wanted me to go through this list and do a realistic option, I would say Conley is the most realistic option for this team. I hate to say it, but... He seems like the most obtainable asset. The Grizzlies are taking John Moran at number two. Conley's going to be on the trade market. He was on the trade block during, you know, the trade deadline last year. He's a guy from Indiana that wants to be here. What's the biggest problem with the Pacers and free agency? They can't get guys that want to come to Indiana and play. Because they're a small market... They haven't been to the NBA Finals since 2000. They've been competitive in the 2013-2014 era, but, you know, at the end of the day, this team has been stuck in playoff mediocrity. They make the playoffs, they get knocked down. They've gotten swept twice in the last three years. Mike Conley changes that. Even though it's a lot of money, he changes that. So yeah, most realistic to me, Mike Conley. What I still want to happen though is Kemba Walker. I like Brogdon over Conley for what you can get, but I think Conley is the most realistic because of where he's at. 
Third most realistic, or second most realistic, Patrick Beverly. I think he's a realistic option for this team, and I think he's a major upgrade over Carlson, like I said. So, yeah, there we have it. There, There is my list now. There was a little bit of talk today. Bill Simmons, Kevin O'Connor on, on the Bill Simmons podcast. Bill Simmons said he thinks Kyrie's going to Brooklyn, which means D'Angelo Russell could be available. We did not talk about D'Angelo Russell on the Point Guard Chronicles because many assume with that restricted free agency, he's going back to Brooklyn. But if he did somehow not get obtained by Brooklyn, that means you're going to have to offer him a really heavy contract. Don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. It's been one really good year of D'Angelo Russell. But when it came against the Philadelphia 76ers, he kind of struggled down the stretch, especially in the clutch. Is that a guy you really want? Eh, I mean, I think it's worth investing in. But I'd rather have Kemba Walker. I'd rather have Malcolm Brogdon. And I'd rather have the vet, Mike Conley, over over D'Angelo Russell right now. Three years from now, probably I'd probably take I'd probably take D'Angelo Russell over Conley and Brogdon. But right now, I just think the way Conley's contract matches up, it makes so much sense. It's almost too good to be true. Drew Holiday, just too much to give up for, guys. It was a cool idea. Don't get me wrong, got me thinking. But at the end of the day, that's a lot to give up for Drew Holiday. If you can give up less and get him, go for it. Pat Beverly, George Hill, Ricky Rubio, all in their free agents. All average point cards that could help this team. So, all right, guys. Let me know what you think. I appreciate you guys joining us for the Point Guard Chronicles on PacersTalk.net. Make sure you check out PacersTalk.net the next couple of weeks as we get ready for the NBA draft. We'll be going through and kind of doing some scouting reports on players and look at some guys the Pacers could take with the 18th pick if they don't trade that pick. Maybe there's some trades that we could look at, some possible uh, opportunities for the Pacers to move up, move down. We can look at that as well. And if you haven't already, make sure you go to iTunes. Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and let us know what y'all think. And hope you all have a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm recording this late on Friday night, so if I stumbled over my words a little bit, that's why I've been up since like 4.45 this morning. So wanted to get this out before the holiday weekend. In case you're traveling, you can listen to it. So hope you guys enjoyed it. And, yeah, let's see what the Pacers do going forward. There's a lot of good opportunities here to upgrade at point guard, and I think they're going to do it this year. I just have a good feeling about it. And it could be, it even could be Aaron Holiday that gets the opportunity to help improve that backcourt. So, all right, Pacers fans, we will talk to you all next week. Got a podcast dropping Monday on Memorial Day, over an hour-long show with Mike Focci, Tyler Smith, and some guests we had callers call in live on the show we had some voicemails we had some twitter questions all about the upcoming draft and free agency and tyreek evans news a lot of fun stuff so all right pacer fans we'll talk to you later peace out pacer nation